Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Welcome to another Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg here along with Joey Serrar. Joey, as we head through October, things are really starting to heat up on the lanes. Well, things are starting to heat up on the lanes, and uh, I think the interest in the sport is is getting at an all-time high. We have a new logo on our website. I mean, things are looking up, Tim. Good news, Joey. We're also on iTunes. So if you have an iPhone, uh, an iPod, an I, any of the iProducts via Apple, <laughs> there's so many of them. <laughs> okay. You are going to be able to go and listen to the shows and download them. They're going to download it right, right to your phone for you. So you can listen to all of the shows and make sure you don't miss anything. Joey, how'd you hit the lanes Monday evening? Well, I've been battling uh, not a cold, but... Uh, some sinus issues and a cough, so I actually had to take off a bowling Monday, and uh, our, our league went to a new pattern called, let's see, we had Beijing, the first week, it was Paris, oh no, it was Athens, 40-foot pattern, sport pattern, and scores across the house were relatively low. I think there was only about two or three 600s in our league out of uh, the 40 bowlers, so I, I don't think I missed much, but... Sounds so like a good week. Nice to be challenged. Good week know? to be off. It sounds like, um, in our league again, we're also on a sport pattern, not sanctioned sport, but we're on a sport pattern, and we bowled. We started a new pattern as well on the boardwalk kegel pattern, which is 34 feet, and I struggled on the pattern. Shot 560, missed missed some spares that I, I wish I could have back, some easy spares, but really felt kind of helpless on the lanes. Didn't have anything. You you again last week, Joey. You were spot on when we were talking. I needed something with a pin a little bit lower. My partner actually did did quite well by playing on the outside part of the lane, like you said, with the Storm High Road, with it pin low, uh, weight hole down down on the bottom part of the ball on the, the lower quadrant, and the CG kicked out a little bit, but he had a really, he has more revs than I do, and he actually shot 715 on the pattern, so. Well, and, and this kind of reinforces and segues right into our topic for today's show, you know, he's cre- trying to create an arsenal of balls, and uh, you know, I, I've given it quite a bit of thought, Tim. And you know, years back, and even maybe to this day, some bowlers only look at total hook. You know, I need a ball that hooks a lot for oil. I need a ball that doesn't hook a lot for the real dry, and then maybe one or two balls in the middle, and and I'm done. And, but it, it's not total hook nowadays, Tim. Oh, exactly. You need to worry about your cover stock. You need to worry about the CG in the bowling ball, and you also need to worry just about how you have the, the ball laid out, correct? Well, exactly, and, and I think what we're going to touch base on today, and I will try and get into some detail on this, is it's all about motion shape. In other words, the amount of hook, somewhat important, okay? Reasonably important, but not as important as where a ball hooks on the lane and how the ball responds to friction, meaning you could have two balls that cover the exact the same amount of boards, but one of those two balls could hook, say, two feet sooner, thus making it much smoother in the last 20 feet. And there are conditions, such as what you bowled on last night, that ball will match up and carry. Consequently, on an alternate condition, the long or the ball that reacts a little later and sharper could be the better carry of the two. One of the 
main questions that I think a lot of people have when they're starting out bowling. What is the right amount of bowling balls I should have? Should, should it be that three to six range? Should it, can I get away with just two? I mean, you go back to the old school and people say, oh, if I can't get there with just get to the pocket with one ball, that's all I need sort of thing. And I tend to just kind of chuckle and laugh because I think you do need a couple more balls in your arsenal if you want to be a competitive bowler and be able to get to the pocket and carry. Well, I'll tell you that the common number for consumers I deal with basically, uh, you know, every day, uh, I tell bowlers, you know, three balls today is like one was back in the 70s and 80s. Now, beyond that fact, I think we need to break down that question a little bit and, uh, and, and ask some questions about the bowler in question first. In other words, does this, the bowler looking to build an arsenal, let's say we have two bowlers, bowler A, versatility level. Bowler A can only play second arrow, plus or minus a couple boards. Doesn't like to move his feet much on the approach. He likes that center dot. And say he's a reasonably good spare shooter. Okay, uh, Bowler B can play board 1 to board 25. He can adjust his speeds. He can adjust his releases. Now, just, you know, and they might have the same average, believe it or not, because, as you know, league conditions can hide, you know, superficial flaws in games and, so, you know, Bowler B has a range. Now, because of his range and ability to play the entire lane, which is more fun anyway, he may need a wider spectrum of equipment. Even though he has more skills than Bowler A, he's going to see different angles to the pocket, and he's willing and able to, to, to change his launch angles to his break point. If you kind of follow my, my, my lead here, his game is much more complex, but with that complexity comes maybe the need for different ball motion shapes so let's take that bowler then let's let's say let's go back to bowler a you have your guy who likes to stay around stay around eight to ten seven to twelve somewhere in that range we talked like you just said what what would be a right amount of balls for them and then conversely where do they start when they're looking for building their arsenal do you start in the middle or do you start on on each of the ends of the spectrum here right now and again when i say bowler a who likes to play second i mean that's fine i mean i have there's no uh, knock against that type of player because many bowlers, you know, they work hard jobs, they have families to, to support, they have other outside activities, and when they go bowl, they don't want to be stressed, they don't want to be challenged, they just want to have some fun, have some drinks with the guys, you know, shoot the bowl, talk about sports. They don't want to learn the intricacies of our game. And so if they're going to play second arrow, God bless them. But when it comes to their arsenal now, and again, let's say they have one release, one speed and decent spare game so we have to look at okay is that bowler bowler a going to bowl just league or is he going to bowl some area tournaments city state tournament let's say or, or a knights of columbus tournament you know where, where he could be exposed to a different shot or does that same bowler go to the nationals every year does he go to the abc you know does he possibly have a desire to bowl other tournaments uh, in the area or maybe even some regional tournaments. Say he's a senior bowler and he thinks, boy, I can beat these old guys. I, I, I average 210 in league. So, you know, those are the questions we have to ask. Let's let's just, for, for the sake of the person we're describing here, let's say this guy, he bowls his state tournament, he goes out to nationals, but he kind of realizes he's probably not, he goes more for the fun of it. He's not going to be the guy who's going to be in the top 100, 200 when it comes comes to all events and comes to the team. He likes to go out there kind of just as a vacation. 
and he still likes to bowl and, and likes to be competitive. And, and if he shoots his occasional 700, that's great. He should probably start, we're talking, between three to five balls in his arsenal, correct? Well, I don't think I'm going to give it a number today, but but again, and that bowler you just described are is the masses or are the masses. Uh, I mean, that's 80% of the bowlers that are in our game today that say are listening to our podcast above 180. So, okay, let, let's talk about their budget. Do they have uh, an unlimited budget where the, you know, the kids are out of the home? I got some extra d- discretionary income. I can buy two or three balls at one time. Or is buying one ball going to cause some waves, you know, when, when the wife sees it on the charge bill? And, and we don't want that happening either. So let, let, let's say this bowler can afford two balls during the course of the year. Pretty common number. Uh, and his stuff he's using now is old, an old Columbia Power Torque. It's 15 years old, and he's got his old burgundy hammer he uses for dry lanes and spare shooting. So let's start with a middle ball, and, and the middle ball we'll call the benchmark ball. That is a ball that's going to handle probably 70 to 80 percent of the lane conditions he will see in, again, his league house shot and a couple local tournaments. It'll be a middle hooking ball. It won't be a skid snap ball. It'll be an arcing piece. And uh, an example of that ball could be the, the Storm High Road, one of our top sellers in our pro shop. And all the companies generally will have a ball that they describe as this benchmark ball even rolling, no surprises, nothing fancy, and a ball that's easy to play in and around the second arrow and where you don't have to get super deep with your feet in the pattern. And again, that's the ball that he will read the pattern with. Uh, It'll tell him if there's too much oil for it. It'll tell him if they're too dry for it. Yeah, Joey, I think another ball that fits right in that category would probably be the Ebonite Game Breaker and and some stuff of that form, which, like you said, is going to give the person a true... Even even roll, which they can get get a read for how the how the ball is going to react, and then we kind of then we have to expand from there. And I think one thing we can probably take out of this mix, I, I believe you're going to agree with me. We start we have we need a plastic ball for spares. We need something that we're just going to use for 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 our spares. Correct. Well, you know, and you you said game breaker. That that's a perfect choice. Uh, you know, other balls. We should mention some of the balls that are on the market because that that's what our show is about. Um, you know, a Columbia 300 has has a number of good benchmark balls, but most of them are, will be in the Bedlam series. Uh, 900 Global has an excellent choice uh, called the Favorite. Uh, Roto Grip has uh, a ball called the Riot or Dark Star. Those are their mid mid range balls. Uh, and Brunswick has probably a wider range of middle reaction balls, arcing balls. They have a Damage, brand new ball coming out next month. The Anaconda. And yeah, these are the balls bowlers will look for. In fact, I think what I'll do is I'll compose a list, Tim, and we'll post it on our website, and then the viewers c- can look at it. And we'll, we'll give a little brief de- brief description of each of these benchmark balls that the you know bowler we're talking about right now can kind of look at for his his or her first purchase. That's a great idea, Joey. And again, that's at Above180.com. We'll have that posted shortly after the podcast is up and rolling. I'm sorry I didn't answer that spare ball question, but uh, if we break that down, let's say this bowler doesn't throw a big hook. He's a you know five to eight board hook player, uh, and he's reasonably straight on spares. And when he goes cross lane for six pins and, and ten pins and the like, he makes 80% of them, which is a decent percentage. You know, you want to be higher, obviously, but you don't want to be much less than 
uh, and he can flatten his release. So, so this allows him, if he's going to have a two-ball arsenal or a three-ball arsenal, he doesn't need a spare ball. And, and again, let's say his speed and revs match, so the ball doesn't hook away at the last minute. Uh, his next choice would be when his benchmark ball doesn't give him the, the good look he's looking for, a good pin, pin carry, is it because it's not hooking enough or hooking too late or the opposite, where the ball hooks a little too early and hits flat. And, and this relates primarily to his ball speed and rev rate. Higher speed players and low rev players often find the need or the desire for a stronger hooking ball, a ball they can confidently move inside with when the pattern starts drying out and it's going to have them you know, more back-end power or more mid-length power. And the other side of the coin, Tim, somebody slower, you know, say a senior citizen or just a, a woman player that, that can't generate the speed and still wants to use 14 or 15 pounds, they obviously can get in trouble when the lane starts hooking too much or too early. So for them, a tamer ball, uh, maybe a little longer pin distance if it's a symmetric core. So a ball that can give her a great matchup when the lanes get dry to retain the energy needed for pin carry. Great. So I guess the next thing then, like you said, we'd probably want to go with, with something that we're going to be able to get that's going to hook, not necessarily hook more, but might hook a little bit early for those longer patterns or, or if a person goes to a state tournament where they just so happen to flood the lane, so to speak, right? So maybe you're going to look towards a solid particle or a solid reactive ball, correct? Something that'll read a little bit early for the person, not necessarily overhook for them or hook more, but just get into that role a little bit early, correct? Well, it, correct, but this is where communication with your ball driller and your ball driller's knowledge of your game comes into play. Uh, there's two schools of thought and, and two roads you can take here for a more aggressive ball from your benchmark. It can be that duller, solid reactive resin or light load particle that grabs the pattern sooner, gives you more mid-lane motion, and generally, you know, more total hook, but a smoother back-end reaction, or it could be a stronger pearl. There's a lot of aggressive pearl cover stocks on the market. I mean, Molrich has the, the Rip R, excellent product. Storm has the new Anarchy, Roto-Grip, the Mutant Cell Pearl. Uh, and, and these balls will give the bowler added length or similar length to their benchmark, but a much stronger and quicker reaction when the ball encounters friction in the last 20 feet. So you got to kind of give it some thought. Do you want to keep your shape arcing, or do you want to go with a, more of a hockey stick shape so you can create more angle of entry into the pocket? Very great points, and that's where you said, Joey, that it does help to have the trust of your ball driller, and he knows what's best for you. And, and if, he's a, if, if you're maybe a lower rev player, he might say, you know what, you probably want something that's going to be a little more predictable and is going to just the roll early as opposed to that hockey hockey stick, which won't and will hook, but will hook too late for you or or your carry percentage won't be as great. Now let's go to the other side of the spectrum here, Joey. We're in a third game of our fifth uh, in a five-man league, and we can't seem to keep the ball on the right side. The lanes are just kind of hooking too much. The heads are getting a little bit fried. We're probably going to want something that can go a little bit longer down the lane, correct? Well, yes. You want a ball that has a lower coefficient of friction in the oil and actually a smooth or slower response when it hits friction. In other words, not snappy. And that lets the bowler play a little closer toward the dry area of the lane. And, and balls like this would be the 900 Global Link Series, 
Uh, I mean, Brunswick has, they did have the Groove series. Now they have the Slingshot, which replaced it. Ebonite has a number of great products for dry lanes, uh, one being the Hardball, the Tornado series. Uh, Hammer has the, they had the Razor last year, not now. This year's choice is the Backslash. And these are all balls that, even though they're, they're called tamer or weaker balls, that does not mean weaker hitting power. It just means they don't require as much oil for length before they get into their hook motion. And, and that's so important for bowlers to realize when, when a ball is called weaker or tame, you know, or slower response, those are kind of negative words, but not negative ball reaction or negative pin carry by any means. Joey, where would you say then, I guess, would be the best pin that a bowler should be looking for when it comes to a ball that's going to get further down the lane for, let's say, a high rev player and then even a lower rev player? Okay, uh, let's, uh, we have to determine, again, the ball driller comes into play here again, and hopefully your ball driller has this knowledge. Uh, it, it is totally contingent upon if you are deciding on an asymmetric dry lane ball or a, a symmetric core dry lane ball, because pin distance of, say, 5 inches on a symmetric core will give the bowler the added length energy retention they're looking for and, and it delays what's called the transitional axis rotation yet on a asymmetric core totally different design a five inch pin will actually roll up earlier and create lots of track flare so it does the opposite so your ball driller has to be aware that these cores numbers are so different in design and intent you can't assume a long pin distance will always give you length on the lane as it did years ago. Well, great point, Joey. And this kind of, if you missed last week's podcast, you're going to want to catch some of this. And, and we talked about finding the right pro shop and being in that constant communication with your pro shop operator. Because as you point out, that is so key when it comes to building an arsenal and being in touch with him. And you and your pro shop operator, you really have to be on the same page because he's going to be your your guide and your best friend, so to speak, when it comes to this, so that when you're out on the lanes, things work out okay, and you do have a ball that describes what Joey's saying here. Well, he is your best friend in this situation without without question, and this is why you should always purchase your products uh, from him, because you need to support him and keep the lights on for his pro shop, because uh, without a good quality pro shop in your area, your game will go to pot, and you're going to quit the sport, and that's the long and short of it. Uh, if you want to touch base on layouts, a good asymmetric layout for, let's say this bowler has, say like your game, Tim, where your ball speed and rev rate are pretty well matched. You're not excessively fast, but you're not excessively uh, slow with revs either, so you have a good match there. You could use a, a higher drilling angle to, to delay the core from getting into the hook phase early, so like a 70 or 80 degree drilling angle. This is a dual angle system now. Uh, if you're choosing a symmetric ball, you would use a five to a five and a half inch pin. On an asymmetric core, you would use say a two to a two and a half inch pin distance. And now the last number on the dual angle is the val angle. Do you want the ball to respond quickly to friction and have a, a nice strong quick hook but a shorter hook zone? Or would you be better off with a longer hook zone but a slower response to friction. And to answer that question, you would say, okay, I'm going to be playing third arrow to fourth arrow because they're dry. I want the quick, strong reaction. You'd be correct. 
if you're going to be playing 12th board to the right, uh, a slower reaction to friction in that longer hook zone where the pin would be below the fingers is preferable. And that's one of the things I think sometimes people do get little confused on and like like you just described you need there's so many different ways we can set that you as a pro shop operator can set things up to help the bowler but there has to be that communication there i have to be as as it's it's the onus is on me when i come into your shop to hopefully get you the right information to help you out and and then be honest with you and say look this is what i want the ball to do and a lot of times i think sometimes when you go in and start an arsenal people think that they're going to get four balls that are in that you know, the high-end, high-quality bowling balls, high-end. They're all high-quality, obviously, but they're going to be those high-end bowling balls. And sometimes, starting out with some of this, some of the balls you mentioned earlier, they're mid-priced bowling balls, and they're quality pieces. There are a lot of balls, Tim, in that, say, 130 to 170 retail range that are excellent products and, strangely enough, can be used on a lot of different lane conditions. As long as there's some friction uh, pr- you know, present on the lane, and you can find that friction. These balls can strike every bit as well as the balls that retail, say, in the 200 plus range. We've talked, and, and we've we've helped the league play average bowler, so to speak, develop a good arsenal. Now, what we're going to have to do is is take this up to the next level in an upcoming podcast and talk about how, if you're a bowler who, like us, bowls on a lot of sport patterns, maybe does more tournaments, maybe even does some regionals what they are going to need for their arsenal, because my guess is it's going to be vastly different than what we just described. Well, exactly, Tim, and, and, and that's where we'll, we'll touch base a little more on the need of a spare ball. Uh, you know, the more different conditions you encounter, uh, the advantage of using that spare ball is you take the lane condition out of play to a certain extent and basically just stand in your normal spot, go over your normal target, and the ball will go straight. Uh, whereas on a lot of league conditions, it's not always necessary. Now, I, I do want to touch base, though. If you're on this league condition only and you, you are a horrible spare shooter because you're just inconsistent making 10 pins and baby splits and 6-10s, you're always chopping, then it's worth the investment, you know, a, a $50, $70 investment. Get the spare ball. Learn that spare ball. It's like learning a putter because the, the, the ball is as important or more important than a lot of strike balls to the top players in, in the nation. Uh, that's like your putter. I mean, it's a golden club to have in your bag, and it's nice to know if you bowl a city tournament, say a nine-game tournament, and you're only going to miss, say, one or two spares because you have a spare ball compared to missing, say, eight or ten spares, that can be a title. That can be a city title because you become a better spare shooter and, and not increase your strike percentage at all, Tim. Exactly, Joey. And one of the things for me, and maybe this is just true in my situation, but I seem to notice with my spare ball, I have a little more room for air to miss. I can miss a little, fudge a little bit with my, my mark to the left when I'm shooting a 10-pin or a 6-pin, as opposed to if I would try to use my normal normal ball, my, my first ball that I've thrown. It seems like I have to be a little more perfect. Well, I'll tell you, in, in my situation, for many years, I never used a spare, a spare ball. And, I, and this is when I bowled on league conditions and sport shots. But I felt I was a good spare shooter. You know, then all of a sudden I started getting exposed to all these different lane conditions and, and maybe more wet-dry patterns at times when I wasn't bowling sport. And all of a sudden I realized, boy, I suck as a spare shooter. I mean, I was missing single pins by a foot or two and, and chopping every time I left two pins up. And I'm going, what is going on? I can hit the pocket pretty good, but I can't make spares. 
So then I drilled up a spare ball, took some time to learn it. It's it's like any any good ball. I mean, you really need to learn the ins and outs, your hand position, your alignment. And all of a sudden, I make 95 and 110 pins. I'm not Walter Ray percentage, but pretty darn good. Uh, if I leave a single pin up, Tim, I can ask you, do you want me to hit the left side of this pin or the right side of it? And and that's what you can do with a spare ball, whereas with your strike ball, that's not always that easy to do. And and that, that helps you in spare shooting uh, as well as split conversions. And you'll have more confidence when you when you leave that 10 pin, oh, this is easy. You know, all I got to do is take my deep breath and, and go through my approach and swing. And there's a good chance I'm going to make it. The ball's not going to get in the way or the lane condition is not going to cause me to hook away or, or slide in the gutter. Exactly, Joey. Again, you've been listening to the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Sarar. Joey, until next week, again, folks, if you missed earlier, check out the show on iTunes. Now we also have a Twitter account. Joey sends out tweets uh, every day, it seems like. But it, the Twitter account to follow us is at Above180. So it's uh, www twitter.com forward slash above 180 we're posting some stuff up there some exclusive content and that sort of thing and also if you have a question you can you can send it to us and, and we'll try to get to as many of those as we can and also shoot us an email at above 180 at gmail.com we'd love to hear your comments on the show maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss or just your feedback we we'd love to hear what you think and joey it was a good week and hopefully you're feeling better and you're going to be up for bowling next week Well, thank you, Tim, and and good luck bowling to everyone out there.